Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast and today is another special episode as it's part of the Summer of CPD podcast series. And not only that, Lorraine is back. My regular listeners will remember the amazing episode that was episode three where Lorraine joined me to speak about procurement and she's back again to share more wisdom, specifically how to plan your procurement timetable. How long should it take? How long does it take? What needs to happen and in what order? Who needs to be involved? And what could possibly go wrong? We cover it all. Let's dive in. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Lorraine Ashover. Regular listeners will remember Lorraine from her highly insightful and extremely popular episode on procurement way back in episode three. You can find a link to that episode plus more about Lorraine in the show notes. But as a quick refresher, or for those who don't know anything about her, Lorraine is the Director of Minerva Procurement Consultancy Services, a business that helps schools reduce costs, streamline procurement practices and save time, enabling them to conduct their procurement activities in the most compliant manner possible and ensure that they achieve the best value for money. Lorraine is joining me today to talk about how to plan your procurement timetable. Great to have you back, Lorraine. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I I mean, you got me so excited about procurement last time. Obviously, I had to have you back to keep talking about it. It was such a popular episode and the feedback has been amazing. But as part of the Summer of CPD, we're talking today, aren't we, about the procurement timetable and what SBLs can do to help make their own lives easier. Exactly, exactly. It's one of the common things I see that people, you know, SBLs are incredibly busy people. We know that. And so it's almost, um, I think, sometimes a case of who's shouting the loudest as to, as to you know, what, what goes on. And I thought it'd be great, you know, whilst people have got a, a little bit of headspace over the summer to just really chat around timetables and just to have a think about just how long you actually do need to leave to run a really good robust procurement process because it's actually longer than people think and therefore you know I think it's a good opportunity really to um, go through that and just to say to people when you come back in September you know if you have got some contracts that are renewing in the next academic year depending on when they're you know when they're going to renew when do you need to get started and what sort of things do you need to think about really just to make the process just that bit smoother for everybody and so it's not a mad panic at the end. I think no one wants to be panicking. So that's a good thing. But also, I think as SBLs, we sit in meetings and people say, right, we want to change our contract with this person. Can we just get it done? And we nod and go, okay, then. And I think it'd be really good to help SBLs answer back with authority and say, no, actually, this process is going to take X amount of time. This is the time we need to allow ourselves to do this properly. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, that that's probably the first point really is um, around, you know, how long should you leave yourself to sort of prepare the documentation for perhaps a bit more of a complex tender process. So we're not talking here about sort of, you know, a three quote type scenario. We're probably talking here about something where your internal financial regulations say you need to run a proper tender process. Usually for, you know, most schools, that's anything between sort of 25 and 75,000 is is, is usually the threshold that you would need to run a more robust tender process. Um, And then obviously, as we've talked about before, you've got contracts where if the whole life value exceeds 189,330 pounds, that then breaches what we call the public contract regulations threshold. And that you then need to run um, a process that's compliant with those regulations. So I think the first thing to do is where you're looking at something that is that complex, how long should you give yourself to just 
prepare the documentation, actually, you know, what tender documents you need, including things like your memorandum of information, which goes out to all the bidders to explain to them what it is that you're looking for, um, your selection questionnaire, if you're doing a PCR compliant tender, and your invitation to tender, or what we call the request for proposal documentation, if you're doing a below threshold um, tender. So, Generally speaking, I would recommend that you allow yourself at least four to six weeks to actually prepare those documents, which probably sounds like a long time. And you might think, well, why do you need that long? Well, partly it's because, you know, it may have been quite some time since you'd last had to tender for this particular service that you're tendering for. So, um, you know, particularly with things like we've talked about in the in the previous podcast, like cleaning, catering, ICT managed services payroll, planned and preventative maintenance, you know, they're complex areas that you're not necessarily going to be tendering every five minutes. It might be five years since you last tendered it. So your documentation, therefore, is probably not up to date. So you need to allow yourself time to not only consider what documents you need, but also what you want, because what you wanted five years ago is probably very different to what you want now. And so allowing yourself that period of around about a month it is good because you'll also need to draw information in from other people. So you'll need to, you know, perhaps get cheapy information from an incumbent contractor. Um, invariably, um, you know, you need to leave them time to be able to do that. You can't sort of expect them to necessarily turn it around in 24 hours. You might need to talk to your colleagues, as you said, in, in perhaps a senior leadership team or, you know, perhaps the catering manager, if it's your catering contract about what sort of things you want to put in that documentation. So I would suggest four to six weeks is a really good period. And just to give you some idea, I mean, our checklists that we have that we run through with our clients for the catering checklist, it's got 100 questions in it. um, And our cleaning checklist has got 75 questions in it. And every single bit of that information or documentation is essential to the, the tender pack. So, you know, you can imagine there's a lot of stuff that needs to be gathered together. So I think that's my first thing is how long should you leave yourself to prepare the documents? I'd say four to six weeks um, to make sure that you've you know given yourself ample time to gather everything together. And like you say, you've got to gather it. You've got to involve other people. You might have to wait for other information. And I suppose you might also then have to put forward to your senior leaders or your head teacher. You know, this is the, the final product and this is what I think we're going to run with. Is everyone happy with that? Exactly. And they'll probably come back with changes and tweaks that they want to make. And it's really important because, um, as we've talked about before, it's this whole thing about garbage in, garbage out, where they talk about computers, you know, put garbage in, you'll get garbage out. The same as if you put, you know, if you put out a set of tender documents that don't really reflect what you want, then you you will get, you know, you will get a contract, but it might not be what you were after. So, you know, I think I mentioned this, I'm sure I mentioned this in the last podcast, but it's such an important thing. It's, you know, my friend in the army who says, time spent in reconnaissance is seldom wasted. And it's so true. Yeah. You know, invest that time up front and then you'll get you know, a much better result out, out the other end, basically. So do give yourself lots of time to pull everything together. So just for argument's sake, let's just call that a half term because I think it's easier. I was thinking half terms generally. So, so you yes. said four to six weeks. Let's say a half term for your documents. What's yep. the next stage and how long does that take? And I'm assuming they might, you know, this process might diverge now in terms of the different thresholds that we spoke about. It it does. Yeah. So basically, um, with a compliant process through the public contract regulations 2015, um, generally most procurement processes 
using that is a two-stage process. So um, you have what we call the selection questionnaire stage, which is where you initially have the tender opportunity available to all. And then you use that selection questionnaire then to shortlist to a second stage, which is the invitation to tender stage. And that's what's called a restrict. Bizarrely, it's called a restricted procedure, even though the first stage is actually open to everybody. It's called the restricted procedure just to obviously add to the confusion. Um, So that's a two stage process. The first stage of that process. So the selection questionnaire stage, it has it's mandated that it has to be open for 30 days, a minimum of 30 days. So you need to make sure that you've allowed that period of time. You then need to allow a period of time to score those bids when they come in. And generally, again, I I suggest give yourself plenty of time to do that because, you know, allow yourself some contingency. Something might happen in the middle of you trying to score it. You're probably going to maybe need to take up some references during that time. You're going to need to share the results with um, your senior leadership team, perhaps, and, you know, get to that short list. Um, for the second stage of the process. So again, I would say four, you know, four weeks for that is probably a good period of time to allow yourself that to, to do that stage of the process. And then the final bit is the invitation to tender stage. And with that, it's actually, um, interestingly, that is only mandated as a minimum of 10 days. But that is a very right. short period of time. Um, and I yeah. would never recommend 10 days because if you think within that time, you've probably got to organize a site visit potentially for contractor to come out and see your site. That's particularly the case for things like uh, planned and preventative maintenance, for catering, for cleaning, um, ICT managed services. They're going to want to come and have a look at what you've got. So you need to get the site visit in there. You need to allow time for bidders to submit clarification questions and for you to respond to them. So I generally say, Again, around about, you know, 30 to 42 days for that part of the process as well. You know, it just means then that the the bidders have got plenty of time to pull together, you know, really well thought through bids, Um, time for those clarifications, as I say. And also don't forget that within all of this as well, you're going to probably have half term holidays or Easter. So you need to factor all of those things in um, to your process as well to make sure that you're not ending up thinking that you're going to be doing something when you should be on holiday (laughs) and then you've got your presentation day probably you need to allow once you've scored your invitation to tender um, submissions you then shortlist to to your presentation day so again you know you probably want to allow three to four weeks to score your submissions another week then a week's notice for the bidders um, to prepare themselves for their presentation you've then got to send notice of intent to award correspondence You've then got a 10-day standstill period that needs to be observed under the public contract regulations. And then you can get into mobilisation. But don't forget, obviously, you need to allow plenty of time for mobilisation. Ideally, you want to allow a couple of months for mobilisation. You've got cheapy consultations in there, probably, which, again, um, under the legislation is a minimum of 30 days. So you can tell just from that, I've gone, you know, oh, a smattering of 30 days here, 42 days here, 10 days here, holidays. It all adds up. And so I think, you know, for the public contract regulations, compliant tender, I know you're probably going to have a sharp intake of breath, but I'd allow six to eight months to run that process. So what I'm really saying is if you've got a contract that is renewing in September 2022, you need to be thinking about it when you come back in September 2021 in reality because you're going to want to have made your decision about your successful contractor before the start of the summer holidays in 2022. So actually, you know, 
probably starting to really think about it and starting to pull things together when you come back in September this year will put you in a really good space ready for September next year. So I'm sure people have just gone, what? <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, that then allows lots of contingency time and you're not up against it all the time trying to do things in a really short period. So so that's the public contract regulations. One, if you're doing a below threshold, that's going to be um, probably, it, that's a one stage process. So if, all of those stages that I've just mentioned and all those sort of you know parts of the process um that i've just talked about are relevant to the request for proposal the below threshold but you can do it all in one so you so there's you know that you need a little bit less time but even with that i would say allow yourself four to six months to you know to to run the process from start to finish so it is it is quite time consuming hence i'm really pleased that you've asked me to do you know <laughs> this today because I know lots of people sort of contact, I have lots of people contact me around about January, February time and say, can I run a PCR compliant tender for a September start date? And it's really, really difficult to get it done in that time period. So I'm hoping that by, you know, doing this podcast that, you know, people will listen in and hopefully just kind of maybe reset their timetables in their own mind about when they need to start things, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And as you were talking, I was literally scribbling and saying, I'll be a bit more generous. I had a few weeks on here, a couple of weeks on there. And I came up with eight months and I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah. Yeah. So it is. So it is something to allow yourself lots of time. And like I say, that's why I always say, um, I think, you know, my own empty squared little, you know, tactics that I do each week. The last one I did for the end of term was A, to say to everybody, have a great summer. And B, to say, if you are in over the summer, do have a think about what contract renewals you've got coming up in the next, you know, academic year, because it'd be a really great time to start thinking about preparing yourself for that and what you need to do. So, yes, <laughs> it's quite a long time. In terms of the process, especially with the PCR process that you outlined, you know, there's lots of stages within stages, isn't there? There's lots of mini processes that have to happen and, you know, lots of people are involved in each part of it. Where are the common... Yes sticking points in terms of where do things usually or potentially get stuck maybe it's with the different types of contracts I don't know or is there a phase where you think we always say it's going to take this long but it inevitably takes longer yeah I think um I think if you allow yourself ample time as we've just discussed I think that you know you should be able to stick to that really really well um I think that people just underestimate how long everything takes um and mm. and they think when I say oh you know four weeks to score the bids well that seems like an awfully long time but you have to bear in mind there's lots of you know moving parts to it you're probably going to need to clarify things with the bidders um that's going to take them time to review and come back then you're going to have to update your documentation you, you you know often you share with colleagues they don't always come back to you as quickly as you would perhaps like or they come up with more questions that you've not covered so i think i i think where the delays come in the process is often things like at, at the outset actually um so where for example you've got you need cheapy information, for example, either from, you know, in-house from your HR team or, um, you know, or from incumbent suppliers. Um, it often takes quite a while to get that sort of information. And rest assured, 99.9% of the time, there will be an error in the cheapy information somewhere. <laughs> um, I, honestly, I don't know. I, I say to people, can you give me the cheapy information and the shift patterns of what people are working? And then you get it and you think, well, they don't even marry up. So you, they clear, you clearly mm. haven't looked at the two sets of information that you've got because they don't actually, you know, they don't actually work. So things like that cause delays, you know, an inability to get the information or inaccurate information. I think 
sorting the legal agreement as well is really important. Um, again, we talked about this on the last podcast about making sure that you've got your own legal agreement so you're not sort of beholden to the suppliers. Um, that does mm. when you've when you've awarded the contract at the end of your process, you've then got to bespoke the contract. It might be the case that the contractors ask for a few small amends here and there. Um, and again, actually that takes quite a long time. And believe it or not, I actually do a little jig when I get a legal agreement signed before the contract starts because it very rarely <laughs> happens. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? But again, that's why if you've got a really good mobilization period of, of a couple of months, that also allows you ample time then to do the bit of toing and froing with regard to getting the legal agreement sorted and signed before the contract starts. And if you don't do that, sometimes you'll get, you know, bidders saying to you or the successful contractor saying, well, I need you to give us an indemnity on certain things now because we don't have a contract in place. So, you know, so that's that's something else that causes delays. And I think the other thing is um, getting sign off for the decision. That also takes a while and sometimes can take longer than anticipated because that I would recommend if you're going to get need to get sign off from your sort of your governing body or, or your trust, then you know, let them know when that's happening. Make sure the right individuals that can sign it off are available, if possible, even, you know, organise for them to be involved in the presentation day and the decision making, because that just makes that whole process a lot smoother when you do that. Um, But that also often causes delays because, you know, they they haven't had all the information and all of a sudden they just get this, you know, massive deluge of paperwork that they've got to work their way through, um, which can be quite complex. And they might also have questions. So, you know, involving them in the process or at the very least putting them on notice about when things are coming out to them will also help prevent any delays at that end of the of the process so yeah I think they're my sort of I'd say the most common causes of of the delays that happen I think what you've said is really helpful because SBLs like to anticipate what is going to happen and I think what you've just said will help them to anticipate each stage and say actually this is where I might need to watch out for this this is who I need to make sure is involved you know so I think having those realistic timelines in their head will help them especially if they're dealing with head teachers or you know SLT members who think like you say it needs to happen within three months you know it's just not possible it just can't be done yes. exactly and that is the thing and I did I had someone the other day say to me call me and say oh you know my head uh, oh, I think it was a CEO the CEO wants this done by you know December and I said well the CEO needs to understand that's not possible <laughs> so you know and she and she said well I know that but now it's great because I could go back to him and say now you've said it as well so you know I've gone to an expert and you've also said it's not possible to do so sometimes I don't mind being bad cop that's absolutely fine so if anyone needs me to say to their head CEO or anybody else what the timings are then fine just drop me a note and I'm happy to be bad cop for you (laughs) or in this episode because that's the other thing isn't it she said there's a whole podcast about this why don't you listen to that and that'll tell you everything you need to know exactly exactly that will tell you why I can't do it in the next three weeks like you've just asked you should have allowed me at least you know six months (laughs) exactly oh it's been so lovely to speak to you again Lorraine I'm so glad that you agreed to come on and talk about this like you say it will make your life easier as well I think it will make SBL's life easier um and it might help our our leaders to be a bit more realistic sometimes when they ask us some of these questions absolutely absolutely no thanks so much for inviting me back I'm really happy and I hope uh, I hope this uh, is useful for everybody if people want to find you, Lorraine, where can they find you? Um, 
lots of places LinkedIn uh, Lorraine Ashover um, I'm also on Twitter Minerva PCS boss um, and our website is um, www.minervapcs.com lots of really good blog posts on there in fact there is one about timetables on there um, which people can go and read but yeah lots of little tactics and videos and things on there so uh, yeah lots of places you can reach me and my email address is Lorraine at minervapcs.com if someone wants to drop me a note that's great and you know what I always point people in your direction when it comes to procurement and now we've got these podcasts as well so yes please contact Lorraine I I encourage everyone to do so I'm sorry if that means that your inbox is going to be flooded now (laughs) (laughs) that's fine that's fine I'm hoping by September that I will have got it down to a manageable number so we should be all right I absolutely love speaking to Lorraine as she is super passionate about what she does and I know she'd love to hear from you and help you. If you've got any questions at all for Lorraine, please do get in contact with her. You'll find her details in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. Thank you so much to everyone who has left a review already. I hugely appreciate it and I read every single one. You can rate and review the show by selecting the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. This show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. And if you listen to today's episode and you're on social media, let me know what you think. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the same name at Laura LJ Business. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you soon.